We need to uh, like come up with like an open for our thing, you know, like the, the music and the video to like introduce yeah. the, you know what I'm saying? Maybe just commission Dua Lipa to put something together for you. It's It worked really well for Barbie. <laughs> yeah, it won't be a problem. Okay, great. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. I think we should definitely figure out some kind of open. Uh, I mean, we've always started the open like like this. So you know, I want to thank everybody who's here live right now. I think we have a handful of people. Um, more importantly, or most importantly, I want to thank Luke for coming to us. Yeah. Luke, thank you. Uh, thank you for joining. Oh, thank you for having me. It's great so, to have you, man. Guys, this is a chat function. Yeah, there is a, there is a chat function. And if oh, you look wow, at the bottom, if we want to share, whenever you share that, video of, of me from a year and a half ago, uh, there's the share, the share button at the bottom. And honestly, if you have anything else you want to share, if we want to use examples, we're talking about video, which is very visual. So let's, right. uh, let's please, let's share, you know, let's share anything. Uh, I want to okay. start by introducing Luke and, you know, uh, Luke and I've known each other for a long, long time. And uh, yeah, for, I mean, God, 25 years, maybe. There's a lot of math involved. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of math. Um, yeah, and we, you know, we last connected whenever I moved to Austin, and he was still in college at UT. Um, and then uh, Luke moved off, uh, you know, became uh, moderately famous, and uh, and we didn't. Anyways, we reconnected a couple of years ago. Uh, <laughs> but I've been impressed with all the advice you've given me, and your credentials are are really impressive. So, do you mind? I mean, would you mind explaining to everybody what you know? You graduated from UT, then what happened, um, and where where you are now? Sure. Yeah. I, you know, I went to UT to be a filmmaker. That's what I really wanted to do. I got into their film department and realized that um, it's not something I wanted to study. So I ended up staying in their theater department and graduated in um, about three years. Then I moved to Los Angeles, as everybody does in that time, and stayed out there for about nine years. And in that time, over my, I guess that would have been the, the majority of my 20s, I just I mean, absolutely squandered it. I was doing uh, improv, I don't know, five, six nights a week. Had a really good gig where if I could book two or three national commercials, I could pretty much <laughs> not work the rest of the year. And that's what I did. So I, you know, go to the beach, hang out, do my improv shows at night. Nothing to progress my career. It was in no way any... In no way is that the path to success in this particular world, but I will say I had a great time doing it. And over the course of that, I, you know, you got the opportunity to work in film and TV and all these things. And my interest in filmmaking still persisted. So, you know, I stuck with it. I started working on some independence in the camera department and, and just staying, having my foot in that door. And obviously with the advent of, of consumer cameras making digital photography easier. You you could really dig into how light works and, and all of those things from a consumer point of view, making it far more accessible. So with all of that, I, I just kind of stayed in that world and realized that after nine years of doing ostensibly nothing, I should probably get some training. So I did a grad program at UC Irvine, which was one of the few schools at the time that were paying their students to go. So that was my that's my advice to you kids out there in the arts. Uh, don't go into debt with an arts degree. Just not a good not a good thing. There's a lot of art programs now that will pay you to go there. It's a little bit harder to get into those, but if you can, that's the way to do it. So that's the only financial advice I'll be providing for the remainder of today. Uh, I'll <laughs> let Max and Eric handle the rest of that, but stay out of debt when you're pursuing the arts. That's what I really recommend. Solid, don't, solid advice. Right, yep. you don't so that pretty much uh, brings us to here. <laughs> <laughs> However, if you do need debt, we're happy to provide cash out refinances oh, on there your you parents go. house. <laughs> For your parents house. Sweet. Yeah. Nice. Just get a reverse a reverse mortgage on Nana's condo and we'll be uh, we'll be ready to go. It'll be fine. So in, so tell me and whenever you and I've talked about I guess visual presentation, it's become like that kind of came to you. You had all these skills and then I mean, COVID obviously, and the technology sort of came together, yeah. and it became it became a skill that, that you could teach others. So, tell tell us what you're doing, what you're doing now. Well, you're absolutely right. So, when COVID happened, I don't need to explain that to the world, but we were obviously all isolated and still needed forms of communication. 
So we we had at that time, we had our FaceTime, we had these other means, but really it's when the tech companies really started to invest in video conferencing uh, in terms of the bandwidth and really putting their backs into it. And it started out, to be honest with you, really, really poor. And it's really pretty good right now. If you really consider that we're transmitting video and sound all over the world in real time, it's, it's actually quite impressive. But what we noticed with that is there is a, there was a learning curve, right? People were getting used to it. People loved it. People hated it. They'd have their, their happy hours on Zoom, all of these things in a really casual sense. That's totally fine. But as time progressed, we started coming out of COVID. We started reintroducing ourselves into the world. And this is still the case. Remote work just became the norm. And it's to the point now where you're still having conversations. You know, almost, I mean, we're close to five years later. I guess we're four years later now, where people are deciding whether they even want to go back to the office. So that learning curve and what I like to refer to it as the grace period of what kind of video, what kind of sound, what you're presenting in this format has really, really changed. It used to be the point where you could rock up, you're in your pajamas, everybody understood that, hey, this is Zoom, it's not that important. And now we're having court cases over Zoom. We're having, I mean, my God, during COVID, I was performing weddings over Zoom. I mean, important things are happening now in this context. So what needs to change is our understanding of the level of control we have over that presentation. So I'm work working with a company now based out of Chicago called Pinnacle Performance. And they started very much as an in-person training facility or training um, methodology for people in the corporate world. So my clients right now, I mean, it's, it's just a list of Fortune 500 companies, right? You've got your Apple, you've got your, your Ubers, you've got, I mean, I even work with the CDC. I mean, it, it is literally all over the place, just in terms of presenting in a way that is clear, that is concise, and more importantly, influential. And the beauty of having video, the beauty of Zoom, in spite of the fact that a lot of people hate it, is we have so much control over what we're presenting to the world in this context. You know, you walk into a room, you don't really, you can't control the environment. You know, you may have a lot of people there. You can do your best to arrange folks how you want them when you're presenting. But you don't, I mean, who knows, the air conditioning's off. I mean, there's so many more variables that go into it. And in this context, you're often in your home, you're often in a space that you have total control over. And you now have the opportunity to put yourself forward in the best light. You could be someone that is five foot two and be presenting in the frame the same as someone that's six foot eight. Size doesn't matter anymore. None of that stuff is relevant because we have control over this. So hearkening back to the photography that I studied and, and wanting to be a director of photography for film, like you learn how light works, you learn how sound works, you learn all these things. And and when when Eric was starting to do some things for his team. You know, he put something on YouTube and that's that's kind of when I noticed some of the things that, well, frankly, a lot of people were doing. I don't, I, this is not in any way exclusive to Eric, but when you're in a position of influence or you're in a position of leadership, I think sometimes we take for granted um, that position and we just assume that if we're putting this out, that's enough. And the truth of the matter is we need to be modeling the type of behavior that we want. You know, I was, go ahead. Eric. I was going to say, I mean, it's, it was great advice that you gave me. Um, I don't know if you remember the exact text, but you said, you texted me and said, Hey buddy, this is on a love. You look like a psychopath. And <laughs> yeah, it's um, true. Yeah. Yeah. And we knew each other well enough. Um, but whenever you like, it took me a long time to, to it was a market update that we did. And, right. and yeah, and you're really putting yourself out there. And it's almost like a chore that you want to be that you want to be over. I, I chalked it up to this is, you know, a test is to see what kind of you know response we get. And we can always improve it after that. But yeah, I mean, it was it was in terms of like the the equipment I was using in terms of the thought that was put into it, it was really half assed. The content yeah. was I mean, we knew the content was OK because people had always responded to it well from written form. But yeah, I mean, you were you were dead on. And the advice you gave me. Uh, it was really low hanging fruit. It wasn't terribly expensive and it wasn't terribly difficult. So thank you. 
No, of course. I, I do want to point out that, like, I'm looking at this video now, which still exists on YouTube. And we take YouTube numbers are have skewed our minds in terms of what is actually important, right? So this video, this video that we're talking about currently has 669 views. Right. Now, look, in terms of the big things on YouTube, that's a drop in the bucket, right? The last report I looked at, there are 14 billion videos on YouTube. I mean, it's an insane amount of content that's out there. Now, most of that stuff is a one-off. There's so many videos out there that are one-off. But this was, this was contextualized for me a different way by somebody I was talking to, is if you think about having 669 people in your office or 669 people even in your house, that's a pretty substantial audience. And this is an opportunity for you to not only show them that content, but show them who you are. So what we talk a lot about is just that level of authenticity. You know, when a camera gets in front of folks, it changes their, it changes their demeanor. It changes how they want to present themselves because they have this, this subconscious thing about being, you know, recorded or whatever it is. And look, that's totally natural. That makes total sense. I fully appreciate that. But we also need to appreciate what's at stake. And if we are presenting ourselves and somebody looks at the first five seconds of that video and they think to themselves, who is this crazy person talking? They're going to miss that content. As superficial as that sounds, the work that you've put into creating that has now gone by the wayside because of some superficiality that is existing in just a general audience. So those are the things that, that I think often get overlooked when we're presenting these things is we do need to put our best foot forward. We do need to present in a way that is inviting and that is, that is opening. So, so yeah, we talk about some, some low-hanging fruit. And let me give you some examples of that. So low-hanging fruit is just literally camera frame. Like I talked about earlier, are you, are you five foot two or are you six foot eight? You can fill that frame however you want. That camera should be at eye level. You know, you shouldn't be looking down. The camera shouldn't be looking up here. You should be in the frame, filling the space in an appropriate way that gives your audience an opportunity to see who you are. Everything is in the eyes, guys. So if you're looking at that camera, if people are connecting with you, that's the way to do it. And I think I think those minor things, just starting there. Now, look, I, this is what I do professionally. I've got a ridiculous setup. It's, it's overkill, what I have in my office. It's stupid, frankly. But it works really well for me, and it's a turnkey situation. Because this is something I do every day, I don't have to worry about setting it up. I, I just literally come in here. I say on Siri, live stream, and it literally like lights up everything I need. It's just done. But everybody doesn't necessarily have that opportunity. So what do we do in those cases? So let's take Max as an example here. So Max is really well lit. It's great. He's got a good light going on. If he wasn't, I would suggest that he turns around. You know, your face needs to be near natural light the best, it, the, as, as frequently as it can be. Your skin will never look as good as it does in natural light. So if you, and I can tell what Eric has got right here, you know, on the left side of his face, depending on whether this camera is mirrored or not, he's got a light source. It's a little bit hot right there, but that's totally fine. He's very well lit. I can see what's going on. Now, mine is, is a little bit, again, it's overkill. I've got a giant light up here that's creating an edge over here to have some shadow. That's stupid. You don't need to worry about that. Okay, please don't, don't spend your money on that stuff. But I also have, because I'm working on a Mac, and as much as I love their products, you know, their mics aren't necessarily great. So I've got an external mic, and I've got an external camera. So, again... The things that we talk about can really break down to like how much equipment you need and all that stuff. But the truth of the matter is find a good room, face a window. If you can, like what Max has got going on right there, like throw in your headphones if, if you need to. It's really good sound out of those, frankly. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities to do this that doesn't require anything more than just a little bit of forethought. This is what I'm going to do going into this. Let me just hold on. I'm going to step off the soapbox. All right, there we go. Uh, now we can we can have a more proper chat. When we did our first when we did our first podcast, me and Eric, 
he brought one camera in. We kind of did it uh, in the conference room. Uh, and then the next one we had a guest. And so we had to, we had to do it over, uh, we did it over Google meets, uh, and the guest had just a cell phone that he was, uh, using from, I had an old Logitech camera. Um, I was using, I was using my Plantronics, uh, earphone. Um, we slowly progressed from there. Um, you know, and, and it was, Looking at this stuff, it was really fun kind of going back and Eric being like, well, you know, I talked to Luke uh, and so we don't need all this stuff, but like your camera is dog shit. Like you need a better camera. Uh, <laughs> sure. So he sent me a link. I was like, okay, I got on there. I got this Logitech Brio. You know, it was like. Yeah, those are great. Yeah. Um, Eric also was kind enough to get me my uh, microphone. Uh, wow. The Shure microphone. Um, the Rogan mic. Everybody got the, the Rogan mic? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, not because of Rogan, but because the guy that I asked apparently is a Rogan fan. And so that's how those sort of like spread, I guess, like a virus. Well, yeah. what, what a lot of people don't know about that, Mike, if that's the S, I think it's the S7 MB or something like that, the Sure. I don't know whether that's the, the USB it's one. Yeah, the, uh, the four. It's the four. Well, the, the, the original, the one that's modeled after, I mean, you know, Thriller was recorded on that mic. Oh, yeah. really? So those are, they're dope mics. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, I when that... you watch, when you watch any pod, like every podcast that I watch, they all have the same mic. <laughs> it's yeah. It's all the yeah. same. Yeah. It's, it's massive. I mean, mine is definitely not that, but it's a, you know, you just got to get, you got to get what works. I think yeah. that's the, that's the thing is, is it's, you know, look, I'm a bit of a gearhead. I know Eric is, um, it's, it's fun. It's fun to buy shit. I it's, mean, let's be honest. It's really, really fun. And there's rabbit holes you could go down. But I think the, the big takeaway from all this is it's, it's, it's really a, a low point of entry here if you just want to do it well. Not to go deviate too much, but like you said, I love buying shit. Uh, I'm going to share this. And I'd, love to get your, I'd love to get your take on it. Um, have you seen these guys right here? The eye contact camera. Yes. What do you think of those? I, I feel like I catch yeah. myself looking, of course, at myself and oh, man. and other right and other people on the screen, and I feel like this would. I I don't know if it's like a solution in search of a problem, or if it really is something that you think would be would be good. And just to describe it to anyone listening, what it is is it's a camera that drops down to the middle of your screen, so you don't have to be conscious about looking at the camera. You can just look at the screen like you normally would. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a big deal in terms of being able to make eye contact in a virtual setting. It is totally unnatural. Right. Because what we want to do is we want to look at our audience, right? And often if we're using a laptop, and like I said, sometimes we, we, have our computer down here so we're looking down at the screen and then we're looking over so our eye contact is all over the joint it's first of all eye contact is incredibly cultural and it's one of those things that something for some folks it's really important for others it's not that being said what you can do in a virtual environment in terms of eye contact is incredibly powerful you know i am I'm teaching, I'm in a room, I've got, let's say it's a webinar, I've got 50 people in that room. I can look at all 50 of those people in the eye at one time. I can't do that live. I can connect the best that I can in this environment with all of them at once by simply looking at the camera and making some eye contact. So those types of things are just, a, I know it's a roundabout way, but just so you know, the tech companies themselves are trying real hard to put that camera behind the screen. This is this is not a this is a known commodity that people need to do this. So it's I, I believe that that's a short term fix. I know some people use teleprompters. Honestly, they'll put the camera behind a teleprompter and and have a screen that way. Uh, there are lots of ways to do it. The easiest way to do it, if not the most awkward, is to just when you're talking to folks, be looking at the camera. It's it's tricky. I totally get it. Well, I just I just bought it so we can hop back on. 
Great. It'll be delivered in an hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. The tail end of this pod, we can see if there's like any difference or not. You can let me know. You were, you were looking for some purchase affirmation. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. I'm really glad you got that. You know, there's some apps. I've seen some apps. I think you can do it on Instagram too when you're doing reels where the AI will yeah. uh, just make your eyes look like you're looking at the camera regardless of what you're looking at. Yeah. And, you know, the other side of this that, you know, I was just, I was just working with, I don't know if I'm allowed to say their name. The, one of the major insurance companies that does life. Was it the Gecko? New, Did you get to meet the Gecko? It was not a Gecko. No, oh, okay. no, it was not a Gecko. I meant the actual It was a New gecko. York, it was a New York life insurance company. And we were, we were there. And what they were telling me is that this was, I was dealing with their, their VPs and they're telling me that they're, they're having a hard time reaching their people. They're going into these meetings. These meetings are lasting way longer than they need to. They're just not, they don't feel like they're connecting with their people. And I just asked the simple question, do you require them to have their camera on? And most of the time they said, no. We lose so much of our communication by having that camera off. We should have, it should be, it could be a phone call, frankly, if we don't have that camera on. And I'm not even talking about the eye contact stuff. But if you're, if you're in a position where I'm presenting and I can just glance at the room and see folks nodding, they're paying attention, maybe they're writing something down, I get that nonverbal feedback that I can move on. Without that, I may not be as concise as I could be. I may be questioning whether people are paying attention. And let me tell you something. This is the secret to anybody that may be listening to this and likes to have their camera off. You're not paying attention. I don't, I don't care. The only reason you have that camera off is because you're not paying attention. You're, you're folding laundry. You're shopping. You're, you're multitasking. Look, people do it. I don't, I, I'm not begrudging you. If frankly, if my company didn't care about it, I would probably do the same thing. But you cannot expect to have the same outcome if we are denying ourselves a major factor of communication by having those cameras off. So, so I've got a, I've, we actually, I've started an initiative last year at the company, you know, obviously pre COVID. Everybody was in the office all the time, and it was a whole different world, especially when you start to communicate with underwriters or closers or investors or whoever. Um, and then everybody went home, and kind of that's the new way of the world. And what I found is, you know, especially in our business, um, you know, so many people are remote, and I've, we've got over 100 employees, and, and a lot of them aren't, uh, even in Texas, right? So how do you right. then have a relationship? How does a loan officer have a relationship with an underwriter? How do I have a relationship with people that I wouldn't normally interact with um, on a day-to-day -day basis? And so I've really pushed the initiative at the company. Uh, everybody video calls and everybody talks to each other on video. Uh, you know, it used to be everybody extension dialed and all of that on the, on the hard phone. And now it's, no, we're going to, we, we have teams. That's what we use. Uh, and when you need to talk to somebody, you call them, you look at them, you talk to them, you get that, that personal rapport and that personal relationship built up um, that just inherently it builds trust, um, all of those things. And you carry that to what you're saying, Luke, into, you know, whether it's a presentation that you're giving to somebody or if you're making some sort of social media post, something that you're sharing. I mean, that's all comes into uh, who you are and, and really letting the people see you. I had a, I had a lunch today with somebody that I was talking about. It's, you know, when you talk about doing social media, I don't, there are people that get business from social media, certainly, but in general, if a customer, if a customer gets referred to you, the first thing they're going to do is go look at you, go look sure. you up. Right. Yeah. And right now, immediately they're going to go to your social media. Who is this person? What are they about? What are they posting? Uh, all of that stuff. So it's, you know, I think it's very important what you're saying and, and how we put ourselves out there. Yeah, I think, you know, um, you mentioned that to me whenever we first started talking about this topic, that you connect with the eyes, right? And that's impossible to do unless you, I mean, it's great if you meet in person, but otherwise, unless you have video, you're not going to connect that way. You're not going to build rapport that way. And there are a lot of opportunities that we have 
as real estate professionals, as marketers, uh, where we're already generating content that we can convert into video content. So simply, you know, market updates, right? That was whenever we connected, whenever I said, okay, fine, I'll test this out. The response was great. There's lots of people that don't like to read, that do like to listen, that do like to watch. And the hard part is putting together the content. Uh, mm -hmm. It's tough to measure. I, I'm not sure uh, what the like quantifiable result was other than that I know it was good. It opened up a lot of, converse, of conversations. And I think it's a missed opportunity if you don't uh, explore that. And if you don't explore it in a, in a good way, in a, in, a, in a mindful and meaningful way, it's almost counterproductive at that point. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, and if I could, just to talk again to the employees or the, the folks that don't feel comfortable being on camera and your your boss comes in and they say, all right, look, we have this mandate. You got to jump on camera. You need to, let's say you're working at Max's company and you're uncomfortable with that. First of all, I want to say that I understand that. I definitely have a lot of empathy for that. However, one of, one of the things I'd like to do is just let's alter for a second our perspective on that and, and think of it as reps. This is a low risk opportunity for you to get reps in front of another person. This other person is not in a position to really judge you. They're not, none of that stuff is happening. It's literally an exchange of ideas with peers. Super simple. It's often very brief. If you are someone that feels a little bit tight in your chest, in your neck, you get a little bit nervous when you're about to get on camera, doing things like Max is suggesting is a great way to get over that. Just getting those reps in is, is invaluable. And we often build these programs with some of our companies where, you know, if they've got a weekly meeting, we will say, look, I want you to spend the first 90 seconds of that meeting. I want you to pick two people. It can be on a rotation. They're going to tell you their favorite recipe for cookies. I don't care what it is. I just need them presenting to a group in a low-risk environment at getting those reps. Because, again, the truth of the matter is this isn't going away for a while. It will. It'll eventually go away and be replaced by something entirely different. But Hologram. this right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's you're not you're not far off. I mean, but <laughs> this is this is going to be here for a little bit. And again, the amount of money that is being exchanged through these types of deals is insane. So it's not you know, we're not flying to Tokyo anymore and signing these deals and, and making these massive global contracts. It's it's happening this way. And if we can't convey a level of authenticity to our audience through this glass lens, then, then we're going to be put at a disadvantage. So having a basic skill set with that is really important. And, I, and that's why I commend, I commend you, Max, and, and companies that do that because it does, it just, it puts people in a position to get reps. And I think that's really invaluable. I agree. I think just in life in general, human contact <laughs> is becoming more scarce and we like it's really we need to do everything we can to continue actually talking to and seeing people. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I absolutely agree. So, uh, pivoting a bit, let's let's talk about social media for a minute because okay. this is yeah, I mean social media is video now, right? Yep. I yep. don't think you really get much of an audience if you're posting images, maybe friends and family. What, right. are, your, what are your thoughts on, and, and to throw something out here, I mean, Luke's wife is a very successful realtor. And uh, I know so you're around, you're around real estate professionals, putting a lot of stuff in the atmosphere. What are your general thoughts? What, what do you see that's good? You know, what, what do you see that's effective that, that uh, you know, conveys authenticity to use your very good language? Well, I, I think, I think the, the trap that a lot of people fall into is trends, right? I need to, I need to be this type of person. And the, I, I've always been resistant to the concept of the personal brand because the, the exercise of deciding or evaluating what your personal brand might be is of great value. It's self-reflective. You think about who you are and your place in the world. And I love all of that. But the problem with that is sometimes that becomes, frankly, a mask 
or something superficial that you're putting on because you're trying to project this idea of yourself. And we see a lot of that, right? There's, there's a lot of that going on. It's to the point now where, you know, the people creating the memes, the influencers are now the memes themselves. I mean, this has become, it's become a joke in of itself of the idea of the influencer coming in saying, you know, like, and subscribe, all this stuff. And these are, look, this is verbiage that needs to happen, unfortunately. Right. But the idea of the brand, just to go back to that, is only valuable if it's coming from a place of genuine authenticity. I know that's a little bit redundant. So I could... I don't, I don't think it's a value to go in and say, you know, this particular brand does a good job or this person is doing a good job because those things change and, and they alter. But what I do think is a value is if you can convey to your audience with your content who you are as a person just by being yourself in that content and in that context – I think that is the thing that's really creating the major shift. And, and look, our audiences are very different. You know, uh, we are, we're having a conversation here probably through the lens of, of real estate marketing and obviously mortgages, but, and it's a, it's a context that, that is in some ways much smaller, right. Than it would be on a, on a more global scale. However, the, the type of coaching that I am often hired to do more than anything else is putting people in a position with, with a certain set of skills and understanding some context stuff, putting them in the position to simply be themselves, allowing them to be who they are in that environment. And, and like I said before, the difficult part there is, is this this separation that we have between us and you over here in this virtual environment. And we're separated by this camera, right? And look, the three people in this room right now, we are of a certain vintage. So this is not what we grew up with. Younger generations do not have this problem in front of being in front of a camera. I mean, my daughter hasn't necessarily grown up with it, but she just does not care. I mean, she is happy to be in front of a camera. And that was not something that was innate for me. I was, it was very, I was resistant to it. So there, I do think that there is a generational issue there, but what it needs to be presented, regardless of your comfort level with the camera is just, just, I just need to see who you are. You know, it doesn't need to be a fake voice. It doesn't need to be presentational, just an authentic conversation that you're having with your audience to me. And, and this is partially anecdotal, but to me, that seems to be the trend where things are becoming more and more um, influential. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, with our own experience, Max and I, we, whenever we started this podcast, it, it, it was initially and kind of still is conversations that we would have over a beer. And right. I think that's why we've had a good reception to it it does it's fun it, it it's not anything that we really you know premeditate other than the topics but um but even then even then to the way eric likes to describe it he's 100 percent right it's ready fire aim yeah uh, sure <laughs> just go well what have what have been some of the challenges for you guys starting out because i know this is you know this is still early days but what are what are some of the challenges? Is it scheduling? Is it technology? Is it comfort level? What are the what are the things that are being presented to you in terms of a challenge? Clearly, so. technology wasn't an obstacle. If you look at some of our early, <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, you so, know, like, <laughs> I like one of my challenges that I've had to get over uh, is just the difference between me and Eric's style. Eric is very much just go and it might look like shit and that's fine. We'll figure it out. And I'm like, well, hold on. Like we need to plan through this and what is it going to look like? And what are we going to talk? And so not that we're butting heads, but like we're kind of each on the other end of the spectrum, pulling the rope a little bit, um, you know, and kind of getting comfortable with, you know, um, no, I'm not comfortable doing that. I don't want to do this. I'm okay with that. What are your thoughts? And really kind of like that collaborative, 
I mean, it's a partnership, right? It, I mean, it really, for all intents and purposes, it's a partnership and like getting used to each other from that perspective. I mean, we've worked together for a long time on the real estate side. So when Eric was a, you know, the only agent at Bramlett Residential and we did a lot of transactions, he was working with a lot of buyers. That's a little bit different, right? Like I've got a role to play. He's got a role to play. Um, you know, or when we're just hanging out, shooting the shit over beer, like that's, that's a different thing. But to have this uh, medium, this content that we're putting out, you know, it's, it's that, that was, that was challenging in the beginning. I think we've gotten uh, much better at it uh, on both sides. Um, I, I would agree. I mean, it's, it's something that you, we, you run into roadblocks. You say, Oh, I don't have anything interesting to say. Right. And you find out that you do, you find out that, that, you know, you don't necessarily have to have something brand new and compelling. That's a completely new topic that, that whenever you have conversations that are enjoyable to listen to and, and Luke, thank you for being here because whenever we have the podcast with a guest, it makes it much, much easier whenever you have somebody interesting, you know, like yourself. But yeah, that, the biggest obstacle would be, would be the content creation and then, you know, the scheduling due to, you know, some sort of like a roadblock in your mind about, oh, we just don't have, we don't have interesting con content now. Uh, on that note, I mean, you and I talked about, I can't remember if we talked or you emailed or texted or what, but uh, you had some statistics about podcasts and how they tend to fizzle, I think, at episode six or seven or eight. Do you, would you mind sharing that? Yeah. And and look, these numbers can change, certainly. And, and I, I was looking at this myself. So one of my, one of the things I do just to give you a little bit of context as a, as a, I mean, I'm reluctant to even call it a side hustle just cause it's, I mean, they pay me so I can tell my wife I have a side hustle, but I, I do it for, oh, is this, your, is this where you're gonna... shooting the shit about Texas football? This is all about Texas football. Yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, they, they're, they're, when you say paying you, I like how you didn't qualify any dollar amount. They're, they're probably, <laughs> oh, no, I mean, <laughs> I'm not even, I'm not even sure if it's us tender. I don't know what I'm getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> but the the thing that's really interesting about that is so when I kind of joined them, we started looking at just all the metrics of these things, which was really kind of fascinating. Hold on. Before, and, you, before you get too far in the weeds in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To explain what it is that you're talking about. And oh, sure. So I work for – doesn't know. Yeah, fair enough. So I work for a company or it's a website. It's called InsideTexas.com. It's a paywall website. And they have – journalists, former coaches, former players, it is about as nerdy as you can get when it comes to not only Texas football, but just football in general. I mean, it will be nothing for a message board to be full of, are we going to change to a single high coverage now that we've hired this? I mean, it's that level of, of stuff. But to look at, sorry to cut you off, man. Like I haven't pulled up right now. And I mean, you guys have 36,000 subscribers. Y'all posted a video three hours ago that has 1,500 views already. I mean, this is, you, you have eyeballs on this. At 21 hours ago, you have 5,100 views. I mean, what you guys are putting out there, obviously, it's a topic that people love and can't get enough of, but you guys have eyeballs on this. Congrats. Well, thanks. Yeah, no, no, I appreciate that. It's, it's, um, I will say, you know, I, I take, I take pride in it in the sense that I'm involved in it, but this is, you know, this is a good example of, a brand doing a lot of the work, right? You know, so people, as you pointed out, Eric, are, are, are really engaged in this particular topic. But when we were looking at trying to figure out, okay, what kind of shows do we need to do? What does the audience want? How do these things work? What about podcasts, all this? And you start to look and the majority of the podcasts that are produced rarely make it to three episodes. Even fewer make it to 10. And that seems to be very arbitrarily the cutoff point for any level of success. Now, I use that word intentionally, the word success, because it's a metric that really needs to be defined by the creators. Is success a specific number that you want to reach? Is it a specific reach in terms of audience? I think having those metrics is of value. But what you really need to decide is why am I doing this with this person? And frankly, and I, I'm not 
I'm not going to apologize for this. I think it needs to come from a place of joy. If you're not deriving a level of joy from this level of content creation, then do not do it. It's, it takes a lot of work. It is, it does affect your schedule. It does affect your ability to do your normal job. So coming from a place of joy is really, really important. So that's, that's the first thing I will say about that. And the second thing is, and this is, I want to go back to this, Eric, because this is something that you mentioned. The idea of, well, what are we going to talk about? Harkening back again to this InsideTexas.com, I, without a doubt, know the least about football whenever I am on one of these shows. I mean, it's not even close. That's only because Eric's not on them. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> what makes that interesting is, one, I get to learn things. But what I've noticed is not everybody on that site, most of them are very, very good at this, but there are definitely some of them that take for granted the level of knowledge that the audience may have because it's just something they know so well. It's not like they're trying to talk over people's heads. It's just so innate with them. They've had this in their life since they were five years old. They totally understand this thing. And the thing, the reason I want to point that out, Eric, is because we are very, very good about telling ourselves that we don't have anything to say. And that often comes from a place of we just take for granted the stuff we know because we know it. There will always be an audience. That audience may be five people. It may be five million people. But there are going to be people that will derive value from your experience. And I do know you both. Obviously, I know Eric a little bit better, but I know Max well enough to know that you both are very generous people. And when you do speak, and when I have spoken with you and talked to you about these types of things, you are people that come from a place of benevolence. You want to help people. You want to make sure that they feel taken care of. And I would just invite you to bring that level of care and insight for yourself to your audience. Treat it, and, and I don't say this in an arrogant way, but it's, it's a gift. What you're giving people is an opportunity to understand a world that is incredibly complex, that is incredibly stressful, for some folks, very, very scary. As you know, my wife does this for a living, and you know she works, she, she works less so, but she used to work a lot with first-time buyers. And it's terrifying for people. You know, it's a lot of money. It's very, very scary. And one of the things my wife and I were talking about is, you know, at that end of that first year, I think she had done 30 or so deals. And I mean, people don't do that in their lifetime. Yeah. I mean, she purchased 30 homes and these people are doing it for the first time. So there are things there that she's just going to know because she's done it before. She's been down that hole. So I think that's, that's the thing that I would invite not only you to, but everybody that's listening here, is to understand that if you come from a place of giving, you will absolutely find an audience. And, and so long as you're not concerned about, oh, I need a massive audience or a small audience, that's, that's a great place to be. Because honestly, if you're looking for a specific audience and it needs to be really, really big, it totally changes the paradigm on what you need to be doing. But if you're coming from a genuine place, I promise you, you will find an audience. So one of the things you taught me originally, and I wonder, I feel like it kind of plays into this, you know, when we first spoke maybe a year, yeah. year and a half ago, um, you taught me about log lines. And, and I felt like that really, it kind of, I don't know that I've necessarily just put that out there, but it definitely gave me a direction, if you yeah. will, on what I should be doing, where I should be going, kind of that beacon, so to speak. Um, do you think that's relevant? I mean, it looks like you do. And, and, you know, can you explain that to the audience, what that is sure. and, and how to do that? Yeah. So a log line is a, it's a screenwriting term and it, a log line is essentially one sentence that encapsulates the breadth of the entire idea. Another way to think about it is it's like, this is my takeaway statement. 
when someone leaves a conversation with you, that's the one sentence that's going to pop in their mind. If they leave a film, they'll say to themselves, oh, this is that thing that this was about. And the reason that I think that's really important is because specifically with presentations, but I do think once you start thinking about this and this just becomes more a part of your practice, you don't have to think about it. But another way of phrasing it is it's where you're going to land. It's where you want your idea to land. And a pilot never takes off unless they know where they're going to land. But often we do that in communication all the time. We just, we just start and we think to ourselves, all right, I'm going to figure out where this thing is going. And simply, you know, what Max and I were talking about is just taking that breath in the beginning, that little second when a question is being asked or before you start to present and think to yourself, what do I want this person to walk away with this from this with? And to give you an example of a log line, and this is, this is a very complex one, but it, it's true. So if we've all seen the film Jaws, Jaws is a movie about the conflict between commerce and nature. There is not a thing in that movie that doesn't relate to that topic. You've got the mayor that needs to keep the beach open, and you've got this shark that wants to eat everything in the water. They are in conflict with each other. So if Brody is chasing something down, if his son is in the, the ocean, if there's a meeting, or if you've got Shaw on the boat, anything that has to do with that movie relates to that one sentence. And if you can condense your ideas down to that one sentence, you are cooking with gas. It's really, that means you really, really know that topic. And, and I'll say this, log lines are super hard. You know, when, when I was in playwriting class and in screenwriting class, that's, we would spend literally hours on those things because it's hard. It's hard to be that concise. But once you are, you really know the topic. And then it really helps you edit because if it doesn't relate to that log line, it doesn't need to be in there. It's extraneous. So yes, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Max. It's, it's a hard thing to do. And I, I don't generally, that's not something I, I work with everybody on because I, it is a, it's tricky. It really, really is tricky. And it requires, it's one of those things that the second you learn about it, you want to try to do it. And then you realize like, this is, this son of a bitch is hard. It takes time. It takes time to kind of get that in your bones. It seems pretty critical, though, with, you know, with with our content marketing, with what's really prevalent in the industry, which is video reels, 60 to 90 seconds. I mean, you yeah. really should have a log line. If you have a 60 second video, you should be able to summarize that in one sec in one sentence. If you have a 90 second yeah. video, you should be able to summarize that in one sec sentence. Yeah. But the creative process, do you write that log line first? Do you get a bunch of content and then figure it out? What, what do you do? That's a great question. I, and, and look, it, it varies. It totally varies. If I'm, if I'm working with a client, so I was working with a CMO and we were talking about, we were, this was a major company. So they're, I mean, their calendar, we're, we're looking 18 months in advance, right? We're looking at all these things projected out. And in that instance, you really want to say, all right, what is the message we're trying to send overall? So for you two, if you have a specific message and you want to say this quarter, this is what I really want to focus on, and this is the type of content we're putting out, and it has to focus on this particular aspect or this particular log line, that makes sense. Now, look, if you're in the shower, you're on the bike, you're riding around and you, an idea sparks in your head, I say write that down. Just because it doesn't necessarily fit into that particular log line doesn't mean it doesn't have value. It just may not be right for that moment. However, and then you can look, you can be in a position too where that particular idea is just really sticking in your craw and it's not going away. And that idea is just really lingering with you. It's, it's good. I will often then take a step back and be like, okay, what does this mean? What is this saying? What is this about? Sometimes it's just a funny idea. Sometimes it's like, you know, you and I were talking before the show. I was having this, this concept of parody, right? Does that even really exist? Uh, and again, we're talking about college football guys, so this really doesn't matter. But it was a thing that popped into my mind, and I really got into the weeds on it, right? Because it was just something that really stuck with me. And as a result of that, going through that research, I actually found uh, you know, the, the bits and pieces of a log line through there. I'm certainly not there yet. 
So the process, to answer your question in a completely non-concise way, is whatever you need it to be. If you're doing long-term forecasting, I absolutely recommend that you have a log line. If you're saying to yourself, okay, this is what I need to do. If you're doing one video, you need to have a log line. What is this thing about? If you're going to spend the time doing it, let it have, allow it to have the most impact possible, right? What is the message that I want to give? It could be simply as this is a person I really want to work with. This person seems genuine. This is a person that has a lot of knowledge in this particular field. Whatever that may be, let that be the thing. And we can talk about objective and all that stuff. That's really getting into the weeds. But, but I think a logline is a fantastic place to start. And um, just an observation, are you, are you standing during this? During this yeah, I am standing. So yeah. I, I'm a mover. Yeah. So I have found that if I stand, I'm, so Max is doing something right now that I would not be capable of doing. He's sitting in a chair that can move and he's not moving in that chair. <laughs> I would be all over the place in that chair. It's actually really hard for me. And I have to sit down when I do these things because I'm a stander too, but I rock when I stand yeah. and I talk. Yeah. And I've been told like on our company calls uh, and I've done things and I'm getting messages. Stop rocking. You're leaving the frame. Uh, well you and I are doing the same thing, Max. We have, we, have, we have put ourselves in a position where we know we are less likely to do the thing we're not supposed to do. Yeah. So I actually sit here, like, I consciously think about my feet are planted on the floor and I'm not, because right. like, during the day, I mean, I go like this, I'm all over the place. But when we do this, I get here and I keep my feet firmly planted on the ground and I'm very conscious about what, <laughs> very conscious it's about it. It's a lot of discipline. It's really good. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, you're doing, I'm, I'm really impressed. Yeah, no. <laughs> I have, and again, like when I do these presentations or do these workshops and stuff, like I'm, I'm, I'm sometimes on these things for like six hours. So I won't, I won't stand the whole time, but I have found that just, and look, it, this is just an issue of knowing myself, right? Yeah. I know I like you guys a lot. It's probably going to be pretty animated for me because I'm more comfortable and relaxed. And so I knew that if I was in my chair, I would be all over the joint. So I had to stand up keep my frame and I would be more likely to not annoy the audience. <laughs> well, I know, I mean, I did notice that you stay within frame and you do, your presenting is animated. So it's, it's compelling. And that's just a, when you come on, I know, I know that you're very intentional about your setup and I think that it comes across looking. So. Um, oh, thanks. Yeah, definitely. What, what recommendations do you have for, the small business owner uh, that that wants to start generating social media content, that wants to start pushing out reels, things like that. I know that's not necessarily your your. It's not what you deal with every day, but you're obviously aware. Of right. That. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think I think you you know this this preface is important that that you know I'm not in any way a social media um, content creator by way of my trade, but I think the the beauty of all this now is. You know, the cameras that I used to own have all been replaced with my phone. I mean, they're, they're, the only camera I really walk around with is a camera that is 100% manual. And the only reason I do it is because it's 100% manual. It's, it's just, I love, the, I love the, the texture and the dexterity involved in that. It in no way creates better images than my phone does. So that is to say the, the port of entry now is wide open and that used to be really, really closed off. I think, I think for folks that want to start out, just, just think about the things that we've talked about today, you know, have, have your face near a window. You don't want to be so close to the window that you're washed out. But be facing a window. Hopefully it's daylight. If it's nighttime, it's irrelevant. But ideally you would have some sound. If you can't get a mic and all that set up, just try to get some AirPods or some ear earphones with a with a mic. They're some are really great, some aren't, but they're generally better than the microphone on your phone. And then 
tell us a story and let us know who you are. I think, I think where people get caught up is they do one of two things. One, they, they try to, initially what happened was there was a lot of emphasis on production quality. Let's just call it that, right? This looks great. This sounds great. And then everybody was able to do that. So now the, now the marker for success is really, what are you saying? What is the content? I know that you're, you're putting something out there, but what is it? What value are you bringing to people? And I have, I'm someone that just abhors uh, corporate speak, but there's this idea of WIFM, right? What's in it for me? Everybody is looking for that in every interaction of their lives, either consciously or subconsciously. So if they're flipping through Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is, even if they're just there for their daily dopamine hit, the thing that's going to stop them is something that adds value. Even if it's a talking head, what value are you providing your audience? And again, just to go back to this, you will find an audience. So be genuine, be who you are, bring yourself to it. And tell people a story. Tell people why you're doing what you're doing. Tell people who you are. Those are the types of things that, that I think are really, really great about where we are from a technological point of view that a small business can do this. I mean, it, it was nothing 10, 15 years ago for a production company to charge you 10, 15 grand, come in for two or three hours in the afternoon and cut a 30 second video for you. That's, that's all by the wayside. You can do all of this stuff now. Now it's going to be a slightly different quality and I'm not taking anything away from my video production people. They do great stuff, but the bar is of what is acceptable now is, is so much lower, frankly, than it used to be. So you can be really, really good without having to do all that much. So long as you're genuine and authentic. I think the other thing too, especially for people that are in their forties and fifties that haven't done it is it, it's not going to be perfect and it doesn't have to be perfect. My wife, my wife has a saying, you know, projects aren't done. They're just due. Yeah. Um, right. And, and I think that's the same thing. It's kind of how I talk to some of our sales guys here as well. It's like, look, just turn the camera around and talk. And it's, it's not going to be great, but, to what you said earlier, just get the reps. Yeah. Get the reps. It's not going to be perfect. I, I, the first few reels I did, I spent probably an hour trying to get a 10, 15 second clip out. Uh, sure. You know, and then I realized we've okay, all done it. Yeah. You know, but like just do it. Just get the reps, get started, and you'll get better over time. Yeah. I think that's, that's really good advice. Absolutely. Only a solid on it. So we use a tool called Loom internally quite a bit. Are you familiar with it, Luke? No, no. Tell me about it. It's it's really easy. So it, the, the product it's not intended to be high high production value at all. It's whenever you want to, uh, you know, it, it's effectively whenever you want to save a meeting. So saving meaning like you okay. don't need to have the meeting because you can explain it in thirty, sixty, ninety, one hundred and twenty seconds over video. I see screen share, and it's really effective in terms of you know working async in terms of saving a meeting an unnecessary meeting. What it does is it really gets you used to being in front of the camera and talking, and it doesn't feel weird whenever you've done. I think I've done fifteen hundred looms over the past two years, and it makes you more comfortable. That's that's, oh, that's the suggestion great. I would give is if people are just freezing, they don't feel comfortable talking at all. Start with loom, share. You know, instead of sending an email, uh, record it, send a loom, and and that'll get you one step closer. I mean, it's that that is really great advice because. You know, one one of the things we talk about a lot is if there are any emotions involved at all, you need to pick up the phone or you need to have something face to face. Right. Right. Don't send an email. The hard talks. Absolutely. Yeah. Sending and, and, and it and look, it doesn't even it doesn't even need to be the hard talks. It could be something that like, look, you say to yourself, you're self aware enough to know I don't want this to go south unnecessarily. 
So I just need to have a conversation with someone so they can see my in, my face, they can see my inflection, they hear my inflection, they understand that this isn't actually a major deal. Whereas if they're just reading that on an email and they're filtering that through the shitty day they're having, you end up making way more trouble for yourself than you had to. And it's, you know, it's one of those things we just take it for granted now, right? We're just going to pop off a quick email and even just taking that 30 seconds to pick up the phone or this loom thing is fantastic idea. It, it can save you so much time in the long run mm-hmm. about dealing with miscommunication and not understanding intent. But you it's, want, it's good. I'm, that's really great. But you want that email to work. You want to be able to write that email and not have to worry about it anymore. So. Yeah, of course. We all do. Of course you do. <laughs> that's the thing. It's also a great way to get it off your desk, right? It was like, I, I wrote the thing. They didn't get it. Fuck them. No, that's not the way that works. <laughs> you know, you're responsible for your messaging and especially in leadership roles, right? Like we, we are, it's incumbent upon us to make sure that those messages get across and Look, we all do it. I know I do it. There are times I'm like, look, I just can't be bothered to deal with this person. So I'm going to write them the absolute minimum email I can. And it invariably costs me way more time than it would to get on the phone and just deal with it. Right. No greeting, no salutation. Oh, yeah. Just one sentence. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And this, I have no idea this person's kid is screaming in the background. You know, they've... They've just slipped and fell, so now they're, they bruised their knee, and they're just reading this thing that looks incredibly curt because it's four words. Right. You know, it's, it's such an easy fix, and I didn't take advantage of that because I just assumed that that person was a big person and they could understand this, and now I've got to deal with all this, this other stuff because I just didn't take the time to consider another person and consider my audience. There, there's no context. I mean, very little context in emails, right? You have no idea in what voice they're reading your email in. So it can be misconstrued pretty easily. With these looms, Eric, is this, is this something that, because of its compression, would this be the type of thing that you could email to clients? No. And say, hey, instead of doing a newsletter, it's like, hey, this is a, you know, it's just a 30 second quick little, this is what's going on. I wanted you guys to be aware of it. A million percent. What it does, so the tech, the technical aspect of it, you, you record it, it uploads very quickly. It then, uh, it then pastes the, the link to the recording on your clipboard. You can then go right into email and you drop it in. This is the cool part. When you drop it into email, it actually uh, drops in an animated GIF. So it's the first like three seconds. And so what they do, oh, and, is it's, and it's a link, yeah. So they recommend that you start all the looms with, hey there. And yeah, you'll right, notice yeah. a lot of my market updates, that's how it starts. Like, hey, I'm Eric. And it's because that motion, it grabs people's eyes and it makes them want to click. They then click, they go to loom, they watch it, they watch it there. We've toyed around with this and I'm not in production anymore or else I would certainly do this. Uh, I'm encouraging the agents to, whenever they send searches or whenever they send statistics, like CMAs, things like that, Record a quick loom. You haven't met these folks anymore. You have the opportunity to connect with them over over video. Hey, I just recorded this for you. You know, I wanted to show you how to use the client portal tool. Or hey, I just sent over the CMA. I wanted to walk through it with you. And I think it's a missed opportunity to not do that. I think that, you know, it's pretty, pretty low effort. And some people might not ever watch it, but if you get one in three that do, you've had an opportunity to connect with those folks, then you get a little bit further down, you know, the sales funnel with them. Well, again, I think it's brilliant. I mean, you're giving people an opportunity to see who you are. Right. And I think that's, you know, like you said, you don't get that in email. So is that, and now now we're doing an ad for this company. Is that L-O-O-M? L-O-O-M, yeah. Oh, great. All right. That's brilliant. There was a super popular uh, program called BombBomb for a while, and I came after Loom sort of dethroned BombBomb. Loom was a little bit, a little bit better. So. Oh man, I, I'm really sad. I missed the Loom Bomb Bomb Wars. That, was, that <laughs> sounds intense. A lot of blood, a lot of blood. Dead. <laughs> some some solid turf wars. So to go back to an ad, though, um, tell us more about tell us more about uh, your your YouTube channel. Tell us more about on Texas football. You've got a great sure. audience here because we have tons of people from Austin and tons of people who've lived in Austin before. Oh, all right. Well, here it is, guys. So first month, it's a dollar. Let us earn your business. Come on in. It's the off season. Got to tell you right now, it's it's all recruiting. It's probably the most boring time to come. Okay. That being said, we're about to hit spring ball. All that's really exciting. the The thing that is really 
fun about this. Not necessarily, and I'll, and I'll direct this back to myself because, frankly, that's the most important topic today. The, the idea that I am getting the opportunity to do this thing that brings me a ton of joy, it costs me, I don't know, two, three hours a week, and I get to do something that I really, really like to do, and there's an audience for it. That to me is great. I love all of that stuff. That that is is really really fun. And look, you know, as you pointed out, our numbers they're great. I'm really happy with our numbers. Those are not because of me. Those are because of the topic. I'm very well aware of that. That makes total sense to me. But at the same time, when you're in this position, and this is this is what I was referring to earlier about finding your audience, you will find a community of like-minded people, people that share some ideas with you or want to exchange ideas. So being at InsideTexas.com and working for them and having the video component on YouTube, which is great, but then also having that website community is really, really phenomenal. I mean, there are so many interesting people all over the world that are related to each other insofar as they really like the University of Texas football. That's it, right? That's the only thing that's really tying them together and they find some level of community in that. That to me is really, really fun. And it also just gives me an opportunity to, you know, I, I can't, I, I don't know what the, exactly what the saying is, but you know, the most dangerous place in the world is between an audience and an actor. That's, that's where we're at. I mean, that's literally, that's what it is. I mean, the opportunity for me to just, cut it up with some people and talk ball, even though I have no idea what I'm talking about is a lot of fun. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm, I've got a, I've got a text thread. Uh, I've got a text thread with seven. There's seven of us on there and it's been going on for years and it's only about Texas sports. That, I mean, yeah. that's it. Um, so, you know, come summertime, it's going to be uh, pretty quiet, but oh, uh, the doldrums. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, right now it's, I'm getting, I'm getting recruiting updates every day and, yeah. Al says this and Rob says this and Mitch said, and it like, so this is, this is right up my alley and I'll be, I, I didn't even know about this until uh, yesterday. So I'll be, I'll be looking at this and sharing the love with them too. I gotta tell you, Max, uh, $1. It's that first dollar. You're going to say to yourself like, ah, oh, you know what? I, I had a pretty good year. I think I'm going to drop this dollar on some insidetexas.com. And you will not be disappointed. And, I mean, does it have to be U.S. currency? Can we can we can we deal in cryptocurrency? That's possibly? that's a great Some, question. Do you take what? Dogecoin? I was basically that's a long Dogecoin. Dogecoin. <laughs> yeah, you're hard into Doge right now. All right, uh, that's good to know. <laughs> so. well, Luke, uh, can't thank you enough, buddy. Like this is tons of fun. Always love hanging out with you. I hope we get to do that in real life very, very soon. So yeah, absolutely. And listen, you guys, I'm really this, this is going to sound patronizing. It's not, but I'm really proud of you both. I think you guys are, you guys are playing at the top of your game right now, but you're doing it with integrity and you're doing it with benevolence and kindness. And, and I'm really proud to know you both. So thank you so much for having me. It's Likewise. it's, this is, this is really, really fun. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for saying that. And thanks for coming, man. It was awesome. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> I'm looking forward to having, to actually meeting you in person one day and having a beer. I am four foot seven. You're going to be very surprised. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the world's tallest midget. <laughs> well, I get it. But you know what? I'm very symmetrical. So I'm also four foot seven wide. I'm essentially a box. There you go. There you go. 